In the sexual economy, there are two different distinct classes of men, chads and everyone else. There was a group which keeps most women for itself, the chad bourgeoisie, and a much larger group which, despite being responsible for maintaining global civilization with their labor so that chad is free to take all he wants, is denied most women. These are the sexual proletariat. The sexuality of women should be evenly spread among society, but it is not. Instead, it is commodified by sexual capitalism and given to Chad. The Chad bourgeoisie allow the sexual proletariat to just have as much pussy as they need to keep the human race alive through reproduction. But even here, it is not fair. The proletariat gets Chad's leftovers. Only when the Chad bourgeoisie no longer want a woman does she go to settle down, marry, and reproduce with a non-Chad. That was a post titled A Marxist Critique of the Sexual Economy from the Reddit thread R Incels, dramatically read by my friend Ethan Saber. From WNYU 89.1 FM, this is Dirty Money. Dirty Money is a podcast about how money and capitalism influence our bodies, sex, and relationships. I'm your host, Liam McVeigh. This is episode three, Incels. On April 23rd, 2018, Alec Manassian drove a van down a busy Toronto sidewalk and killed 10 people. Manassian was a terrorist belonging to a group called Incels, a portmanteau of the words involuntary and celibate. Alec Manassian wasn't part of a terrorist group, but it may not be as simple as suggesting he was a lone wolf. We're talking about incel for reasons that may seem obvious, but if not, here's part of the background to that. So, of course, there was the attack in Toronto on Monday in which a man drove a van down Young Street. As people talk about incel, it made me wonder, you might call this a new phenomenon, but is it really new, and is it any really different than the type of misogyny that we have seen for decades? It's not, and I think that's a really important thing that we need to make. The term was coined in the 90s by a woman, but the word has since been co-opted. It now describes a group of men that are frustrated by never having had sex and men who feel entitled to it. What I have found is the biggest thing that distinguishes the current incel subculture from the original idea of what an involuntary celibate was or what that more generalized idea is, is just this extreme level of hatred, um, especially towards women, um, and this level of misogyny that wasn't really present before or wasn't as pronounced. That's Carly Hallowell, a grad student at Boston University. She's been researching incels for the past few months and is the only person I could find who's actually doing studies on them. Initially, involuntary celibacy had such a different meaning. Mm -hmm. When it was initially created, um, it was created by this woman in Canada, Alana. She created the Involuntary Celibacy Project, which was meant to be this inclusive community where people who were um, experiencing sexlessness or not having sex for reasons of either they were uh, virginal or they were in partners or they, or they had partners or they were single and they just weren't having sex. Um, it just it was a community where they could come together and express kind of what that meant for them and that experience, which can usually be can be frustrating or embarrassing when you're talking about it in a public setting. So initially she created this community and then when she did this in the 90s, or from when she did this in the 90s to about five years ago, 
this moniker of incels or involuntary celibate has taken such a different and dark turn um, from what it was initially meant to be. And I really wanted to understand what happened and like why this group, this current group population is so different than what the original intention was. The extreme level of hatred Carly was talking about can turn inwards. Many believe in what they call the quote-unquote black pill, which is the belief that because they think they'll never get laid, they will never be happy. Our Brain Cells, another Reddit page for incels, often had posts about suicide. For some, the hatred and violence doesn't go inwards. It's directed towards the outside world. For example, Alec Manassian. We know he was an incel because on the same day he murdered 10 people with his van, he posted on Facebook about a quote-unquote incel rebellion. Incels of the world, rise up! You have nothing to lose but your chains. That was the last line from the same post Ethan read earlier, the quote-unquote Marxist analysis of sex and the Chad bourgeoisie. Not only do incels feel entitled to having sex, they see it as a commodity, one they will start a rebellion for, and, after it's over, one they will redistribute equally. Yeah, I'm serious. Their wish is to have this, to go back, to revert back to this traditional hierarchy of gender roles, where women take on more of a subservient role. Yeah, so they're essentially looking for women to take on this role as they are there, they're there to be a sex partner, they're there to be a subservient partner. So again, like the, these individuals, they don't really see women as equal. They don't see them as equal partners or sex partners. They're, they're a commodity, which they feel entitled to. And when they are denied access to this commodity, they respond with rage, essentially, um, and just extreme anger. And as a society, when you have people who are not incels, but look at the incel problem, um, like the New York Times article and several other people um, who have written about this, is they see, they similarly view sex as, as a commodity, not as, and not as an activity that should be conducted between at least two consenting partners, but as something more, you can equate more to wealth or property. Hold on, I just want to pause for a second to give some background. The New York Times article Carly mentioned was an opinion piece titled The Redistribution of Sex, authored by Ross Dudat. In it, he basically agreed with the insult philosophy that sex is something one should be guaranteed. So the thing about Dudat's article about the redistribution of sex is that he was essentially arguing that the incel problem is a lack of access. And when you have a lack of access to something to which you're entitled, and he was essentially equating it to wealth or property, things that we should all have access to, he was suggesting that that incels could be, should be appeased, which in itself is such a strange argument. But by saying that sex is the same as property and that when you're you're reacting angrily due to this lack of access like you would if you were in extreme poverty, again, you're suggesting that it's not about an activity that involves at least two consenting partners, but it's an entitlement to someone else's body. Mm-hmm. And no one is obligated to desire another person, man or female, but that's what his argument is. And while it's like he rationalizes it, when you really think about what he's suggesting and what he's recommending, you have to remember that this is a human person and you're essentially saying that another human person should have to provide access to their body 
not necessarily with their consent just to appease another individual. He argues that the quote-unquote sexual proletariat should, through sex workers or sex robots, be given this commodity. And of course, sex can be and is bought and sold. But the problem with that argument is that sex workers still consent to sex with their clients. Being forced to have sex with someone is always rape, and in this case, constitutes sex trafficking. Not to mention the extreme violence and misogyny that incels subscribe to. No one should be exposed to that at all, and especially not by force. So how do we deal with incels? Well, at first, I think that we need to first accept that exist, accept that they're extremists, accept that they're um, a population that is potentially dangerous, because right now they really just aren't being taken seriously, as they often live online, and we have to really acknowledge that this is an extremist population. And then we also have to accept the fact that they are dangerous, even, even though, and I personally wonder if we would be more reticent to acknowledge their extremist views if they were targeting any population other than specifically women. But we have to recognize the fact that they are targeting women and it's about misogyny towards women. Instead of trying to appease this population, we need to be addressing the toxic, the extreme deep-rooted toxic masculinity within our own society that's essentially saying that this is okay. Not, not so much that it's okay for these men to feel they're entitled to female bodies, but that there's any part of us that's arguing that sex workers should have to appease them or anything should, that what they're doing, even if it's just rhetoric, that what they're doing is okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe we'd take them more seriously if they went after the chads. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Carly is right. These ideas didn't come from nowhere. Our historic tradition of extreme and violent misogyny is alive and well in incels. Maybe the only way to de-radicalize them is to detoxify our society. Thanks for tuning in to Dirty Money from WNYU 89.1 FM. If you liked what you heard, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify or tune in next week from 7.15 to 7.30 to hear episode four, Leads. This episode was written, produced, edited, and hosted by me, Liam McBain. Music on today's show is by Kai Engel and Poor You. I'd like to give a special thanks to Kelly Drake, Anna Van Dyne, Ethan Saper, and Carly Hallowell. Thanks for listening.